0: Doing some more photo shoots for the fashion lo- lines that she is uh, very very busy launching, and uh, although we miss her here in the podcast in Studio C, uh, we do um, are excited for what what has what's been going on for her right now. We have some things lined up, some interviews coming up that Emily will be back with us for. But in the meantime, I have invited two people that you've heard from before to come onto the podcast episode today and. And uh, I want to welcome my daughter Megan. You he- need to say hello. Oh, yeah, right. Hey, <laughs> hey, everybody. <laughs> I mean, we do have the video going on, and she just raised her hand like you know, like we were having a Zoom meeting. And then I also my good friend Julie George is also joining us today. So say hello, Julie. Hi! So guys, I know that you guys are in Portland, you know, visiting each other and left me here in St. Louis to to hold off the, the turning of the leaves for you, Julie, and to, uh, you know, just hold down the fort in, in the neighborhood, especially during Halloween season. So how has the visit been going?
1: Uh, it's been a lot of fun thus far. I... I uh, had to work yesterday, so Julie worked from home a bit. And then today we did some exploring. We ran a bunch of errands. Uh, Julie went to her first dispensary, which was an experience.
0: Interesting.
1: Because um, cannabis is legal and recreational here. And then we went for a really short hike in Mount Tabor, which is a, a dormant volcano. And so it's like a, a city park and it's beautiful. We saw a view from the summit, which, like, overlooking the city, and um, we saw a statue that used to have this uh, colonizer on it, but the the monument has since been taken down. Like, in the uh, last
0: couple years? In
1: the last couple of years, wow. yeah. It wow. was really cool to see... you you know given the national conversation around whether or not we keep monuments of you know like confederate soldiers up
2: yeah
1: i I wasn't aware that the actual statue of the person had come down um but when we got there i was like oh yeah i this is totally he's not here anymore um
0: yeah Yeah, i listened to a really good episode uh podcast episode is either on Radio Lab or BBC History Hour or something like that when they were talking about the um, the slave owner in um, up in England um, I can't think of the town um, but he was a big slave owner and he was real big in the slave trade and the, if you guys remember on like YouTube where you could see like everybody that pushed him into yeah. into the um, river there yeah. hey I'm sorry guys I can't remember the town um, but. Uh, I mean, I think it's just interesting how many things have changed and stuff like that. So, um, yeah. how quickly when the conversation got going and, and people it got out there and people made those changes. Um, they have not taken down the St. Louis statue here in in St. Louis, but they they attempted and um, a couple summers ago. But uh, anyway, I don't want us to get like all dark and heavy right now to start off the <laughs> podcast, especially um, because it is like. Pre Halloween weekend, um, I know lots of things going to be happening and going on this weekend, and I was just wondering if you guys had any like, you know, I am not necessarily a scary movie fan. I know my daughter <laughs> can attest to that, and uh, but I know that you know, I know that you two are, and I was just wondering if you had any like recommendations. Or have you seen the new, the new Halloween with Jamie Lee Curtis yet? Um, not yet. Is it on your, is it on your list?
1: Yes. I, I, I want to see the new, this is what evil dies. I think, yes, that's cause it's like Halloween evil dies is what it's called. Um, I personally, and you know, I don't know how many horror movie folks are uh, in the demographic of your listeners, but I was not a fan of the Halloween remake. Um, I love seeing Jamie Lee Curtis back in that role and, and tying in the original Halloween storyline. But I personally thought the movie itself wasn't that great. So I'm kind of um, I'm skeptical about this one. And I, th- I, I think this is the last Halloween installment because there was there was one a couple of years ago, I think that was Evil Lives. And then there's this one is Evil Dies. Or evil, or Halloween kills, whichever one. Halloween dies, Halloween kills.
0: Could have been any of any of those subtitles. I mean, any
2: version of that is the story. Now, uh, I
0: did I did read somewhere that um, it, there's some like it is trauma based, like so it's the people who are in like the characters are dealing with their trauma of have have been through all of the stuff that Michael Myers put them through in the prior versions of the movie. So Mm -hmm. somebody had written that that was kind of like empowering to see them like, uh, like handling overcoming. And I think taking out their trauma back on the perpetrator and not everybody gets that, not everybody gets that chance to do that.
2: Right. That sounds good.
0: Yeah.
1: Go ahead. uh, It's an interesting reworking because I think some of the, uh, the only word i'm coming up with is mythology but that's not necessarily what i'm trying to say but michael myers's character is that he's not even like he 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 starts off as a kid right like he murders the babysitter all of that stuff and then he's michael myers in the first halloween movie but as this story has been told Michael Myers is not necessarily a human being, but he is literally just evil, and that's why he doesn't die. So, I think that's with that piece of information you gave is a really interesting way of reworking his character as these people who've <laughs> survived his trauma over and over again kind of like take revenge, if you will, and yeah. kill trauma. Yeah. kill that evil
0: yeah i think the only um scary movie that i watched and i still um to this day i won't watch it again i read the books um was silence of the lambs and i know that's dating me that's putting me like in college in the 90s but i was in college in the 90s and uh, that movie just scared scared me so
1: that's and that's not even a scary that's movie a, that's yeah. a thriller
2: <laughs> that's, yeah that's a I wouldn't categorize that with like a Halloween horror. No, film. no. Yeah. Well, so psychological that, that
0: thriller. Yeah, yeah.
2: What is it?
1: A psychological thriller.
0: Um. Well, it it was it was good. I mean, it's still, especially so when my all
2: time favorite.
0: Okay. Yeah, Julie
2: is the shining i mean stephen king horror movies that you know just the showing the darker side of actual humanity uh, with a little bit of supernatural
0: well i have not seen the shining i've seen bits and pieces on it when it was on hbo back in the when back in the long time ago when i had cable and it got me i got too creeped out so but you watched the shining a lot didn't you meg
1: Oh, yeah. I also like went through a brief Stephen King phase in my life where I was reading a lot of his books. And unfortunately, The Shining was not one that I ever finished, but I've talked a lot with the um, interesting uh, geographical plug for people who are buffs of The Shining. The Timberline Lodge here in Oregon is where is the outside of the lodge of The Shining.
0: Oh, that's where they took those shots. And where exactly is that lodge in relation to Portland? Do you know? Uh,
1: Timberline is up in Mount Hood National Forest, so very, very close to here. I did not tell Julie this before she came, but uh, she is looking at me very excitedly for the folks listening at home. So because we're gonna go hike, that's a threat. We're gonna go hike there, Julie said. <laughs>
0: Well, yeah. Just as long as you don't get, don't leave one one person behind. You don't want to be on this level. No, <laughs> <one>. <laughs> no. You- I
1: will not ditch Julie <laughs> and climb out of the bathroom window and then run through the maze without a coat on and trick my my axe murdering father into thinking that I just disappeared into thin air and then walk backwards on my footsteps and then run out of the maze. I won't do that. Very <laughs> nicely done. <laughs> yeah, thank you. Thank
0: you. <laughs> and that my friends was
2: spoiler awesome. alert. <laughs> it's very nicely done
0: there's a, there's a, a jacket that gets lost and there's a maze and there's some shoes that are missing that is what i took from megan's uh <laughs> recap
1: no shoes he just stops the little boy stops and jumps over behind this hedge and like rolls you know gets behind it and then he waits for um, Jack Nicholson to walk past because Jack Nicholson is is following the footsteps in the snow. Um, and then once he he can tell that his father has moved like past that point, he like comes out from the thing and starts like back like moving through his own footprints. In the snow, so it in, in the snow, so he doesn't make any new tracks. And then he runs out of the maze. Very, and he's like. Nine, I think, in the movie or something like that. So,
0: and this was all pre Google. pre Google. How would you have known to walk in your then your snow tracks in the That's same?
2: Survival skills. <laughs> <laughs>
0: oh no, I remember the other uh, the other scary movie that I went to see in the theater because I I didn't see Silence of the Lambs in the theater. Um, Megan's dad and I we like rented it on um, videotape and I watched it on my couch underneath a blanket. I was chewing my fingernails all the whole time. But uh, the movie I saw in the theater—oh, two movies. One was Poltergeist, scared me, and we were moving to California at the time, and we hadn't bought a house. And I kept telling my mom we should not buy a house where like there was a graveyard underneath, you know, (laughs) any of that kind of stuff. So that was scary. And then I saw Children of the Corn. Oh, yeah. And I just remember in the theater, I saw in the theater, and I remember like (laughs) yeah, we were
2: like then. (laughs)
0: Back way back when we had that's the only way you could see movies was to go to the theater with my best friend Stephanie and uh I remember like people were just screaming at the at the screen don't get in the car don't get in the car so that helped me the fact that everybody else was yelling at the screen for me not to take it so seriously because it was a scary movie but the audience uh reactions you know made it less scary for me
1: that's the best way I think to consume scary movies is to comment and react the entire time.
0: Yeah. <laughs> to keep yourself yep. not fully in the, mo- in the story. Yes. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> Some space between you and, and, the, and the TV screen. So right, those so- are my, those are my uh, scary movies. What other suggestions do you have? Uh, Julie, your all-time favorite is well, the shining.
2: Yeah. My all-time favorite is the shining, but I really, my favorite Halloween movie tradition, I don't know if you'd call this horror or not. It's the Nightmare Before Christmas. It's not horror, but it's so awesome and so such a what, great tradition.
0: What do you love the most about it?
2: Uh, the music and the animation, right?
0: Uh-huh. We went to see it at the symphony a couple of years ago, pre-COVID. Remember that? Yeah, yeah,
2: <laughs> yeah, definitely. That's definitely, uh one of my favorites um man i had another horror one too i was thinking of
1: yeah i was gonna say while you think
2: you use all
1: your brain cells okay Um, thank you (laughs) i like a lot of scary movies and i think the ones that i tend to gravitate towards are the paranormal ones not like paranormal activity but just the scarier ones like i really do love the conjuring universe I love that their those stories are based on real people like Ed and Lorraine Warren were, you know, self-proclaimed demonologists. Um, And so The Conjuring is based off of like a lot of their stories. Um, And (laughs) I saw The Conjuring. I don't remember if it was, I, I don't remember if it was the first one or the second one in theaters with my friend, Anna. Um, when we were like 18 and it scared us, like I've never screamed in a movie theater (laughs) like that. I think, um, I like watch a lot of scary movies. I like to watch a lot of like queer horror, which is fun. Um, there's this Canadian lesbian horror movie. It's called, uh, what keeps you alive. And it's definitely more of a psychological thriller, but it's very, like, it just starts off really intense. You're like, oh, we're we're in it now. Oh, wow. Um, and then I think the only other movie that I've seen that has legitimately scared me um, was the movie It Follows.
2: Did you mm-hmm. see that? I don't think so.
1: Okay. It's a really good scary movie in that it doesn't just rework those old like tropes where you're, you know, what's going to happen, like the order of scary movies. Um, and I liked the concept behind what the scary, you know, the the killer was because it wasn't like one person. It was this concept. And it's also kind of <laughs> not to sound pretentious, but it's kind of like a smart scary movie because not just a
0: slasher blood and gore. Yeah.
1: I've never been that kind of person. I don't watch like blood porn. You know what I mean? Like the people, it's just that kind of stuff has never been an interest to me, but it it follows you. You don't really know like what it is because it's just like an it and it just follows you. When it's given to you. And it's this whole thing. And I I think it was really good. And it it freaked me out. Like I saw it with my partner at the time and we left the movie theater and I was legitimately <laughs> looking behind me to see if there was like oh, something just wow. walking at a dead pace towards you.
2: That sounds scary. Because
1: you don't know what it is, but it can take the form of anything. So it can be somebody, you know, it could be somebody you don't know, but it's not a person. It's a thing. And there's no like explanations that I can remember of how it originated, but there's some nods to like trauma based things where this, this this entity is created and it hunts down everybody that's ever had it and kills it. So,
0: Oh, wow. Yeah. Wow. That
2: sounds good.
0: So um, last week, I know I sent this to you guys um, on met on iMessage, but I want to let my, my listeners know that, my ring and camera caught, you know, I got, I was looking at it and there was this thing for like 1230 in the morning, last Saturday, early, early morning said person detected. And I was like, what the hell is that? Who would be up on my porch at 230 in the morning? And it and it caught an orb, uh, an orb that came from around the ho- around the side of the house, went up for the roof and then down a little bit and then sort of like just sort of stopped. Now, the camera only recorded for 30 seconds, so I don't really know what happened, you know, where the orb went after that 30 seconds. But I was like, oh, look at that. And then um, uh, some folks are saying, well, the veil is very, very thin right now. And, uh, you know, so there a little bit more activity and, uh, I was, I didn't feel like it was a a menacing spirit at all. I felt it was very protected. And, uh, then I was joking with another friend and guest of the podcast, um, that maybe it was my dog, Toby, (laughs) maybe (laughs) because it came from around the house and went to the spot where he uh, normally would stand in his window. So it could be the dog, um, his spirit still here, or it could be, you know, somebody else that's a protector that's how I felt about it so I've never had caught an orb on camera before so it's kind of cool that it was right there so,
1: no so. that's very cool and yeah I, I would agree that it felt like a very like positive energy just based off of the color of yeah. you know and I, and I know that the the digital doorbells are not like in vibrant color but it didn't seem like like cloudy or dark it was like very clear very bright energy coming towards you. And I think that
0: that's pretty <laughs> right. cool. Which could very well have been our dog, <laughs> our old dog, Toby, because he was quite the yappy bundle of energy dog. So I'm, ha- I'm happy either way. You know, I'm happy if Toby is happy as a, as a spirit running around the house or if it was a, you know, a, a positive human that wants to be here. I didn't feel like it was um, a human that I necessarily know
2: right if it, if it
0: were a human um a former human spirit so so other than that that's been like my whole uh, connection with the other world these days some friends of mine are having like really really intense dreams and they're like seeing f- people who've passed away me i'm having all these romantic dreams and i'm like i don't i guess all my spirit guides are just sort of like you know on vacation because they don't need to come talk to me they're just letting me have my romantic dreams
2: yeah <laughs> You were talking in your sleep last night.
0: I often talk in my sleep, but yeah. Who did you have your visit from? You said you, you raised your hand and you've been having some uh, dreams.
1: I've been having some really, I mean, I've, I've joked about this before, but ever since I started my anti-anxiety medication, my dreams have always been really wild and vivid and I mean, you know, I've told you some of the stories I've had about like bionic arms and like <laughs> you know like living in an attic and running an Etsy store like weirdly specific oh yeah God, I'll let awesome. you I write them all down in my dream journal because these are like I can't make this shit up like you know it's like this is stuff that just comes to my brain as I'm You're processing my, made it up. my subconscious I'm like what am I processing like what happened today but no just lately I have been having a lot of weird dreams that i'm not remembering as clearly i mean that's probably because i listen to murder podcasts as i fall asleep so my my subconscious is tainted um, <laughs> yeah,
0: okay but hold on that thought i listen to my political podcast before i to sleep why am i having romantic dreams <laughs> i don't think that it's afraid that they're not connected
2: <laughs> you love that shit. <laughs> you do love that shit um
1: yeah but I mean like I don't know I I feel we we were talking about this on our zoom call a few days ago I, I, I think around this time the veil is definitely very thin and I do remember like more of the spooky things that have happened in my life and as we were talking about Toby's orb I was remembering mom when you like you smudged the house when we were a kid and you were talking about the blood drops outside of our house. Yeah. I still and see the-
0: those. There's still yeah. some on the step.
1: Yeah. And like the dream about the bird, like trying to get out of the window. And so do you remember that? Did I have
0: that dream or you had the
1: dream? No, you had that dream. Oh, I don't remember that. Yes. I, cause this is all a part of the lore of St. Louis being like, ter- like haunted. It's totally haunted. And You were talking about so because we were with our father, and you decided to smudge the house and cleanse it. And you talked about how that night you had a dream that in my childhood bedroom, there was a bird like flying around at the window and like up in the corner and couldn't get out and you like obviously had this uh, urge to open the window and let them out and you opened it and the bird flew right out. And you talked about that. And then when you woke up in the morning, that's when you saw the blood outside of like the blood drops around the house.
0: Interesting. I don't remember that dream, but I'm glad I told it to you. Yes. (laughs) Yes.
1: (laughs) Well, because it was in my room and I do remember it just felt different because that closet, the second closet was always like freaky to me and like, it just didn't feel good. And, and not because the, the stack was in there, but just is a just dark corner that I didn't spend much time in. But after that, it felt a lot lighter and safer in that room. And that was the window you were talking about. I was oh, right there. Talking okay. about My room, you were wow. talking about that window. Interesting. So yeah. Neat. Spooky conversation topics for yeah.
0: You, what about what about you, Julie? Have you been having any uh, connections with the uh, other realm, other world? Having any conversations in your dreams?
2: No. It's been a it's been a while since I I had. I think the last time that happened, my dad was still alive, and and uh, he had just become nonverbal. And for your listeners and the audience, he um, passed away a year ago this January with Alzheimer's. So um, it was towards the end and he he uh, he could not form words anymore. And I had a dream where me and my Jungian analyst believed that he was he was telling me how he felt because I was in the dream. I was laying on a table and I couldn't open my eyes or talk and people thought I was dead and I was like trying to tell them that I wasn't and uh speaking through you yeah it was um yeah
0: so th- yeah. so I guess the question would be when the next time you saw your dad did you have like a, a did you feel like an even more um understanding and intimate connection about his what he's going through what he would be experiencing I mean, did you think that it like?
2: Yeah, it, I've always had like a pretty intimate connection with him. I mean, I feel like we spoke with our eyes all the time. Mm-hmm. Um, that was and and just you know holding hands and squeezing each other's hands and stuff. And even when he would try to talk and he would say all the wrong words, you know, you I, I mean, I we still knew, you know. Yeah. Yeah. So I don't know. I don't know if it really made me feel it more, but it I don't know. It was like confirming. Yeah. You know, I guess I had been thinking, what does he feel? You know, yeah,
0: right. Well, so this is definitely an interesting time. I'm glad we're no longer Mercury Mercury retrograde, <laughs> so we're moving forward. But I I wanted to kind of uh, shift a little bit. Um, but if you guys have any other um, you know movies or uh, you know suggestions for our listeners, you know, feel free to chime in. But um, What I really wanted to get into the bulk of the conversation, and I really appreciate Megan and Julie having this conversation with me and for our listeners, is I wanted to have just kind of like a a conversation about pronouns. And I know that there's a lot of confusion out there. I am a 52-year-old woman who has been speaking English for 51 years of my life. I've always been um, very grammatically correct. And so one of the challenges I have when I, um, that I have to have been working really hard to get over is when somebody tells me their pronouns are they, them, is to no longer identify that as a plural word versus a singular word. And then I also want, and I, and I know that, you know, uh, Megan, you are the <laughs> the younger person in this group. And you can't speak for everybody. I, I I realize that, but I'm hoping that we can have this conversation that will just give um, our listeners, even you know myself, a better understanding, because these terms and phrases that are are thrown about and banded about are terms and phrases that I didn't grow up with. Julie didn't grow up with them. But um, but if maybe we could just start talk like at the very top, like what is binary and non-binary to me that sounds like so like computer you know zeros and ones and and that gets confusing when people use those terms and so um i don't want to continue on talking about this with you know without having you guys chime in and and let's just start with like kind of a definition of that those two words meg
1: mm-hmm. jupiter is stuck so i'm gonna go oh,
0: yeah sure
1: real quick and then i will answer your question okay
0: okay yeah um yeah
2: are you going to tell us about your wine? <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, I will, Julie. I am drinking this red blend, Pillars of Hercules. It's a, it's a 2019. It's a really smooth. It is a um, It's full bodied. It's from California and uh, it's juicy. It's dense. It mm. is, um, there's a lot of presence to it. I I have like, I can taste a little pepper. I'm sure that there are like all lots of other, maybe some dark cherry I'm getting in there. Um, But it's just a real nice red blend for a cold, rainy day. Um, Basically, (laughs) if this were a panty, it's a panty that although it looks really cool on the outside, it gives you warmth like flannel on the inside. nice <laughs> I don't know how hygienic that would be for you <laughs> but it is definitely um, something along those lines anyway so um, that's that's the wine that I'm drinking and um, it's really good thanks for thank you for asking so Megan you are back and I wanted us to um, kind of get back into the definition of or the description of what is binary and non-binary. And, and maybe if you know, how did that, how did those two words come about to describe people?
1: Yeah, um, so in our colloquial understanding of what gender is, it is conflated with sex. So we're, we're starting at the very top. So sex refers to the biological sex, which means your your physical anatomy. So male and female. Those are not those are not gender. Gender is man, woman, non-binary, etc. And so if you think about, I mean, you're absolutely right about binary you're thinking about it as zeros and ones it's very like computer it's very technical but if you think about how we've been conflating gender and sex well in a heart again not necessarily informed but pretty general colloquial understanding of sexes there are only two which is not true there are there are male female, and then there is intersex, which has nothing to do with gender. It's just, um, and there are lots of variations in what it means to be intersex. But basically, you could have male exterior organs and female interior organs. Right. So that in and of itself, the existence of intersex people, and that change in our DNA, because that's very like, that's not a new thing. You know, people have been born intersex for a long time.
0: Was there another word for that besides intersex? Yes,
1: and I won't say it, but it starts with an H. I can put it. I can put it in the chat. It's just, it's not a very kind word.
0: It's, uh, okay, because I mean, because I, rem- I, mean, I remember hearing about people who had both, both male and females. Oh, so that's not. I'm going to say the word. So hermaphrodite is not a kind word.
1: No, um, just because it. Like intersex is the the more um, like would correct be, clinical word.
0: Would it be more, inclus- more uh, inclusive? More inclusive? Uh, yeah. you say intersex because that could be uh, anything in there? Yeah, or, exactly. Know, uh, maybe the older um, um it,
1: Yeah, I mean there are. I, I encourage people to read about intersex because I'm I'm not an expert, and so I don't want to. Yeah you know, tried to claim to be, I just know that in part of the gender and sex conversation, it's always important to talk about the existence of intersex people because they are both and neither in terms of the, of of the two, and I'm doing air quotes, the two binary sexes. Um, There are lots of variations of how you can be intersex. You can have All you know female organs, both external and internal, and then have like an abundance of some like male hormones and things like I mean, there's lots of ways that intersex people exist. And the most like I don't know the words, like the most the ones that people know are like if you're born with like internal organs that don't match your external organs. And there's a lot of um, intersex advocacy that happens where. Um, intersex foundations and people that are advocating for that are like, don't get your child, don't have surgery when your child is born because you have no idea.
0: Right. Right. And and I, I remember that would, that was like, when I was growing up and I would re- read articles in people magazine or something about, you know, the, the decisions parents were being forced to make back then on um, if their child was going to be uh, identified physically as a female or a a male. So I, I think that from, you know, 1980s people magazine covers and, you know, conversations to now, I think that a lot more understanding and acceptance is out there and is not, uh, not necessarily viewed as something um, like to be, to be looked upon as if it was a, uh, this down anomaly might be the word, like
1: strange and abnormal.
0: Yes, yes, that's yes. how it was. then, but, but, so that's where. So when you say binary, that is the the way that people have always thought about. Uh, boys are born with boy parts and girls are born with girl parts, and that is binary. Yes, and then non-binary. The yes. What, Julie? So
1: she was. She said either end of the spectrum. Okay. Right. So like with zeros and ones, right, those are binary code. You can only really you and I don't know much about coding, but zeros and ones Mm -hmm. like that's what everything is made up of. So that's where we get binary from, meaning like two.
0: Uh
1: So and I I, I, like I said, I wanted to talk about intersex people in this conversation about gender and sex, because we got I think as we move forward to understanding how much of gender is a spectrum, Um, I think we will stop conflating the two words, right? Like, you know, we have this conversation all the time, like, you know, there can be women with penises and that, you know, but, but, but historically and colloquially, you know, men have penises and women have vulvas, like those are, that's the dichotomy, that's all that exists, and, you know, and that's where we get language like um, people probably have seen like AFAB or AMAB, which means AFAB means assigned female at birth. And then AMAB means assigned male at birth. And so those are terms that like trans or non-binary people will use. And, and I trans is short for transgender. Um, right, right.
0: So and a non-binary a- person is somebody who doesn't fall into a, a zero or a one. Yes. And do you, and I know you don't speak for everybody, do, as a non-binary person, is that where, is that a choice? Or is it now that there's a language to it, there's a better fit? for for I guess you or anybody else that you know I know that it's not everybody I'm just trying to right. you know because when you were growing up and granted I was I grow I, I, I growed up I growed them up, I growed, no, I growed no, up.
2: Um, oh, thank you oh my god I,
0: I raised my kids in a binary household because I didn't have any other any other language. So I did raise Megan as a, as a female, a female at birth. And I raised both of my other children, my sons as men at birth, male, males assigned at birth. So, mm-hmm. and I just wonder if, if there were um, feelings of, you know, like ah, this, I don't necessarily know what this is, but I am a girl, but I'm not, but you didn't have a language to put with it.
1: Well, I think I, it's hard. It, I, I think it's a combination of both. Right. In the same way with me figuring out what my sexuality was, is when I was younger, I didn't have vocabulary for it. I definitely had exposure, but not like an overwhelming exposure. Right. Like I knew gay people growing up. Um, I knew lesbians growing up, but it wasn't a part of like my conversation with my friends until we got to high school. And then that's when I joined the GSA and that one was mostly, like, the GSA is mostly focused on sexuality. It's not necessarily about. Um, GSA
0: it, is the Gay-Straight Alliance for those yeah, of you that. Sorry. Didn't. Oh,
1: okay. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, and it was
0: focused on sexuality, you said. It was
1: focused on sexuality. And, like, you know, we learned about the Kinsey Scale, which talks about how sexuality is a spectrum, right? And you, uh-huh. you can take this test, the gay
0: test, uh, and figure <laughs> out. <laughs> is there an app for that?
1: Well, probably, honestly. Um, and you can figure out where you fall on that scale. And like some people are you know, more gay than others. and and it's 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 about sexuality also not being binary because you get you don't have just gay or straight people. You have people all over the spectrum. You have bi folks, which is bisexuality. you have pan folks. Um, we don't have time to talk about the language of bi- bisexuality and pansexuality, and I not- be another
0: podcast episode, sure. and, and absolutely. But but like just trying to get a better high level understanding of what the different words mean, because I know for myself when people were throwing things around, and like for the longest time, I just would sort of like smile and nod my head because I wasn't really sure what they what they meant by binary, non-binary um cisgender which i don't i still don't understand cisgender and cis which is a cis which again with my grammar and my english i i i'm looking for some other you know latin pronunciation root to that. Like,
1: like cisgender yeah <laughs> um i don't off the top of my head remember how to define cisgender i just know a colloquially which means like that your gender Oh, it's, it's, it's the, it's the converse of trans. So like transgender is somebody who is, I I'm, I'm gesturing flipping, but like, so let's say you, you are an AFAB person, you're assigned female at birth and you grow up and you realize, or you have always known there's a lot of various ways to come to this. And you're like, I don't feel like, again, because we conflate gender and sexuality. I don't feel like a girl. I don't feel like a woman. I feel like a man. Like this is the, that makes more sense for me. So, so you're, you are, you're flipping your gender basically as a transgender person. Okay. So cisgender, I think is the converse of that, which means that your gender aligns, like your understanding of your gender aligns with
0: your sexual organs. Assigned from birth. Yes. Assigned from birth.
1: And I could be wrong, and if people want to fact check me, that's totally fine.
0: Yeah, well, um, we, uh, we welcome any kinds of corrections or totally. um, uh, additional information, for sure. You know, just just trying to just have the conversation to help pe- uh, help listeners and other people understand it. It seems, oh, I was listening to something, and it said uh, said that language and vocabulary is is sort of like a temporary thing and that eventually as we work through languages and words, we will move through our, our he, she, the, her, they, them time and we'll settle in on something that's even more more appropriate. It's not the right word, um, but so uh, listeners, not only is our, our, there's gender fluidity, there is language fluidity. And I think for me, just, trying to understand it and doing my best to honor requests as long as there's understanding that I do have 51 years of training and the other way of speaking that um, but I do am trying my best that you know we'll all get there kind of together I cause, because I'll honest I mean they them is a very very hard only because not because of what what the meaning behind it, it's because it's plural, and so I have to know when I'm having a conversation and someone's using they them are you talking about more than one or are you still just talking about the one person and I hope we as English can come up with a better word so that's easier to have to stay in the conversation and know what is what is being said
1: so i have i have have um so yes, I think when people are consciously thinking about they, them, they are thinking about it as plural. However, there are lots of times when people are not even consciously thinking about what language they use in which they use they, them in a in a singular way. Um, there has been, and I don't know, mom, if you've seen all of these threads on Instagram of people who are outspoken against using they, them pronouns in the singular way. Um, and you know, a lot of their argument is that it's not grammatically correct. Um, and I know that's not what you're arguing. I'm just, oh, no. for people that would be like, no, I don't wanna use they, them because it's only plural. There are lots of these threads where the same people who are talking about how they, them is exclusively plural, spoiler, spoiler alert, it's not. Um, <laughs> Also, have used it in the singular way in without even thinking about it
2: while they're arguing. While about it. they're arguing about <laughs> it, so like um,
1: like Candace Owens, for example, she's a big outspoken person. I don't even know what she does. I don't follow celebrities, but I know that she's a big name. Um, and she said that she would never use they them. She thinks it's a phase. She thinks that we're just trying to make things quirky. And then somebody found a tweet of hers that was talking about somebody lost their wallet. So there are lots of these phrases that we use that we don't even think about using they, them in the singular way. Because when you don't know enough about a person and you have like, like an object, for example, like somebody lost their wallet. You probably wouldn't say some, somebody lost his wallet lost
0: her wallet right well um, because you've used the word somebody which is a non non non-gender so but it's
1: one
0: but it's one yeah no yeah right but that's that's why that's why in the grammar the there would go with that because you haven't that you haven't didn't say that girl lost her wallet that boy lost his wallet it was somebody i i think we're going to keep moving i think the language is going to fluid and i think we're going to you know, come across or find or develop a word that makes all of that that's not discomfort the the hard but part go away because we be like that's the that's the word like I know I told you megan that the um the Swedish have a a great word for. Somebody that is, they don't know if it's a male or a female or, you know, what that person's gender is or whatever. And it's hen, H-E-N, or hen is H-E-N-N-E-S. And basically that's like the Swedish version of one, like one could go to the store. So I think English, we're going to, we're going to get there. But what, what is it when somebody has, I, I identify my pronoun as she, her, so I, and I know what that means and I know what they them means. But what is it when somebody says a he they or a she they, then I get very confused because I don't I'm I really don't know how to, to refer to them or anything yeah. like that.
1: No, I mean, that's a fair question. I think that dual pronouns are e- even more Neo um, because right. So I you say Neo,
0: what do you mean Neo? Like new, like neo pronouns.
1: Okay. Neo okay. Okay, okay. liberalism, blah, blah. Um, I will say that, yes, I think English will continue to evolve. I think, however, some people will want to find a word to use to represent the singular gender neutral in place of respecting people who are using our already gender neutral word that is both singular and plural you know they they will they will want to find that avenue instead of hearing and respecting people who are already using they them does that did that make sense was that clear
0: no it makes sense it makes sense and 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 that i'm sure there are people out there who who will be that way but just as like finding or describing or finally having the language to say binary and non-binary right and introducing that into our our language finding that word you know our version of Hennes our English version won't discount the they them usage but it'll be like
1: yeah like another evolution in, in language adding another another word to, be gender neutral in yeah I mean I think that English is uh, we've talked about this it's not the only language that we're going to see this evolution in we know we look at Spanish we look at French we look at a lot of those like romance languages that are I mean everything is gendered how you how you speak it and how you describe it and I think that we will see more evolution there too as we because language is always growing and evolving and language is the way I've been reading this book to prepare for grad school for like how I want to approach research but it talks about how language is the culture and once you understand the language you can understand the culture which sounds like super direct but it was kind of like a a little nugget for me because Once you figure out, once you can understand the language of the people that you're trying to study or be a part of or understand, then you understand them. And so our language represents our culture. And as it evolves and as more and more people understand some of these like nuances and changes, then I think we will be better able to understand each other.
0: You're absolutely right. Yeah, you know, I know that when you told me that you were they them, that I wasn't, I, I was not um, rejecting it. When you told me, I was more thinking about how, like, what does this, what does this real, what does it mean, okay. and um, and then I started to think about how powerful it is that that. That now we have this conversation about gender and about um you know uh sex assigned at birth and the the societal expectations that have been put on people based upon what they were you know what their uh the sex they got was, between their legs, what they had between their legs, you know at birth, <laughs> and how I thought how powerful that you and others who um, identify they them or he they she they you know who are not binary are basically saying and this is my understanding correct me if i'm wrong or off kelter are basically saying that i define who i am i define who i am and i want you to respect that um as opposed to Yes, I was born with a vulva, and that therefore, I have to behave and wear and do all these things that you expect of a person who was born with, you know uh, who is a girl. and I'm in quotes. I was born with a gut a man, so I have to I have to act just like they expect a man to act. And so it was like when I got to that point, I was like, oh, it's this generation or the people, I can't just say this generation because there are people in my generation that are identifying this way who are basically claiming their own agency.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Does that mean, was I, am I on the right track?
1: No, I mean, I, th- I think that's absolutely on the right track. And I, I have thoughts in response and like in, in echoing of what you're saying, but I wanted to answer your question about dual pronouns because mm. we kind of got off track. Yeah. Um, So I used to have dual pronouns as I was trying on pronouns to figure out what made the most sense to me. And I went from, you know, I went from she, her, and then I went to she, they, and then I went to they, she, and then ultimately landed on they, them, because she felt uncomfortable when people would use it. Even though my pronouns were they, she, like it was absolutely like totally valid because that's, that was one of my pronouns. And so with dual pronouns, and this is my understanding from people that I have, you know, read and different zines and things that I've read. Zines, as in
0: magazines. N-
1: zines are different, um, but <laughs> yes, similar to similar to magazine, except for magazines are like full-size publications yeah. that are like sponsored and that stuff and that and zines I, I could make my own zine as like a little pamphlet about one topic or two topic okay. like for I made a zine in my queer history or my queer studies class on one of the historical figures in the um, San Francisco gay rights stuff right like it's about like one person but it's uh-huh. yeah that's what a zine is they're very okay. cool very punk <laughs> um <laughs> but I was reading a zine about, uh, so your kid comes out as non-binary and this person kind of broke down, like, how do you honor somebody? How do you honor respectfully somebody that uses dual pronouns? Right. Because it feels you you don't want to mess up and you don't know which ones are more preferred. Right. But it seems so simple. And the best way to honor somebody who uses dual pronouns is to just change them up when you're talking about them. So for example, I have a friend who uses they, he pronouns. And when I'm talking about them, I will just sometimes use they and sometimes use he, you know, and and it's also really great like lexicon practice to (laughs) bounce those around because you get, you are able to um, be more intentional intentional and, and bring they into your common speaking all the time while also having using he or she or other binary um words and so that's the best way to honor somebody that uses dual pronouns and also um if somebody has if their pronouns are ordered like he they still dual pronouns more likely than not it means that he him is fine and they them is fine Um, and maybe he is more preferred It just depends, and these are also always questions you can ask. It's not inappropriate to ask somebody, you know, what their pronouns are. Like, do a pronoun check, and if they have dual pronouns, you can say, okay, which ones would you like me to use more often? You know, and then then you can have that in your brain. You'll be like, okay, well, their pronouns are they he, and they really prefer they. So I will use they as much as I remember to, while also knowing you didn't necessarily fuck up if you said he.
0: You know, what's interesting, a lot of this is interesting, but when you said, mm-hmm. you know, it's okay to ask about the pronouns, it's almost like there's just that little step that you guys take. And I'm, and, and I'm saying this is like a, a, like, as, as a positive, a step you take by asking somebody what pronouns they, you're, you're actually honoring their humanity and their individuality just by asking that question versus yeah. when I'm, when I was 26 years old, I'd walk into a room and I'd be like, Oh, there's boys, there's girls. Boom. It's all in my head. I, I didn't need to know anything more about that person unless I wanted to become friends, you know, or whatever, you right. know, like right. it was, I, I had, I had, or my, my, my world was ordered. Yeah. But the fact that you as a practice, will do a pronoun check, ask those questions. It, it, it recognizes that person is in the room with you, yeah. you know, um, it takes that moment. It makes a, a human connection. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's a beautiful thing.
2: And it, even, yeah. if you go, yeah. even if
0: it's, if I, if I do it at book club and we all go around and we're she, her, she, her, she, her, she, her, she, her, but it's just taking that little bit extra thing and recognizing the humanity of, of the people around you. I think it's beautiful.
1: I, I would agree. And I think that, that that's part of the shift from, living in a world where we assume that it's ordered and being more intentional in our interactions and, and, you know, just be like, Hey, like, can we do a pronoun check? Mine are and like volunteer yours first. And then that person is welcome to share theirs. Sometimes people don't want to, maybe they don't feel safe. You know, maybe they, maybe they are closeted and they don't feel safe acknowledging that their pronouns are different than what their appearance may be you know and that's also totally okay and that's not a reflection on you that's just like that's their own experience and their own level of comfort
2: and what happens if I if I'm in a group of people and I don't know everyone and I and I do that and I just say hey I'm pronoun check yeah I'm Julie Julie I use she her pronouns and somebody's says that they're not comfortable sharing theirs you can say okay
1: if you ever want to i'd be glad to hear and then i think at that point if i
2: say something yeah so
1: then i would just my instinct would be to use a gender neutral pronoun duh because you wouldn't because you don't want to assign yeah, a gender onto somebody if you don't know. And and, and, and that's, that's safe. safe. It is safe. Gender okay. neutral, gender neutral is always safe. Okay. I that's, like that. That's the best part. It's also anti-bias all the way. Yeah. That's I mean, it, just referring to people as they, if if you don't know what their pronouns are, it's okay. And I once read somebody was complaining. Uh, and saying that when we use non, like, non-binary like non pronouns for somebody that isn't non-binary, that it takes away from their non-binary um, identity. And I was like, first of all, what a privileged thing to say. Um, <laughs> second of all, no. <laughs> like, you clearly have not read any tenets of anti-bias existence or anything like that to recognize that part of being anti-bias is also being anti-assumption and so if you don't know don't assume
0: well that's uh you know what they always said when I was in high school yes (laughs) when you assume you make an ass out of you and me that's how you spell it you get do you remember that
1: yeah, yeah, I do. I and do. it's it's absolutely <laughs> nail on the head because you do because then what you've done when you assume is you look like an idiot when you're wrong, yeah. when and if you're wrong. And then you've you've put the other person or the other group of people in a position that they didn't ask to be in, you know, like right. they, didn't, right. they didn't ask for your naming,
0: you know, like, you know, we have a society for decades eons has has put people in has, has you know qualified has ordered has you know named things you know the we have like species names we have all these kinds of things and cataloged
2: little bugs cataloged
0: and 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 we have actually we've gotten down to we, like we had to catalog let's say real general to get make through. And then now everything can be so individualized based on your, all the information they have on us that it's, it's like, it's so individualized that it shatters the big old collective order. Yeah. I, okay, this is like huge in my brain right now. I'll have to think about it and see if I can uh <laughs> write it down as as something that's a little more um nuanced. Like No,
1: I mean, I think that I think that you're right. Like when you as a person are a series of boxes that you check on an identity form, mm-hmm. you actually lose a sense of who that person is, right? And like you are more than the boxes that you fit into. Um mm-hmm. And at the same time, with something as simple as pronouns or names, even like those are really, really easy ways. Like you said, mom, to take agency in who you are and how the world interacts with you. And I, I, I absolutely agree. I think that some people would <laughs> hear our conversation and then argue that the the concept of non binary prog- pronouns are or neon pronouns are like so Western and individualized. And I would encourage those people to do just some reading about how gender fluidity and gender nonconformity has existed in indigenous populations much longer than this conversation has been around just under different names
0: yeah um i i wanted to also kind of uh t- two things that I, um, I wanted to point out a lot of my um a lot of my friends who have children that are having children whether they are hetero or or, or queer you know but if I, but they're but they're children they're having these children and and they have their gen their gender reveal party, but they're also it's kind of like an uh, uh, oxymoron. They're really making a concerted effort to pick a gender neutral name. Yeah, and that's I,
2: cool.
0: I, you know, I thought how 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 aware for their child. You know, mm-hmm. I I had my names picked out because I was like I w- I gave I wanted to give Megan a stage name so she can. I meet. you
1: I want you to know that in my. Uh... The back to school night that we did with families, one of the questions that we asked was like the origin story of the kids' names. Uh So we told our, as teachers, we told our origin story and that's exactly what I said. I said, my mom gave me my name. I'm named after nobody in the family because she wanted me to have a stage name. (laughs) (laughs) And they were like, that's great. And then I gave my cat's origin story name because they were curious about my cat. So yeah, no, I, I, It is interesting. And on that note, in terms of like, you know, picking gender neutral names and kind of leaving that space open for their kids to decide, my co teacher is pregnant um, and she doesn't want to know the sex of the baby until it's born. Until it's born, because she's like, I I don't want to know. Like, and I think that they are, I did threaten her. And a threat is in parentheses, and it's a joke. When yeah. I right? said, "If your baby is born on April thirteenth, you have to name them Megan." That's just the law. <laughs> like, <laughs> I would be deeply offended if I've been your co-teacher and you don't name your kid after me. Obviously, joking, but um, you know, I think that they will likely pick a gender-neutral name too because yeah. she is a- conscious. She's so conscious. And, you know, she's been doing anti-bias education in this, in a early childhood setting for years. And, you know, she's really good at it. Like very good. It just, it's just reflexive at this point.
0: Um, And then the other thing that uh, really hit me the other day, and it's because we've had these conversations and because Mm -hmm. I've, you know, my eyes are open and understanding and things like that is that I, I saw where, um, and this is an acquaintance of mine, um, they they are uh, doing a toy drive, right, mm-hmm. um, for the holidays, and any you know any year prior to now, when I would look at the toy drive, I would it would not even hit me. But when I saw the two boxes and one said boy toys and one said girl toys, I thought, oh man, we need to stop that, and it just needs to be one big box of toys,
2: yeah.
0: you know. So. So maybe if you're listening out there and you are going to, you know, are trying to figure out or how you can make small changes, even that right there, if you're, if you are active and working on a toy drive of some sort, don't, don't, don't make it boys or girls or, or separate them. Just, you know, make it all one big collective thing, because let me tell you. Those toys get thrown into the same big toy box among all the siblings, whether they're AMAB or AFAB, and they just get messed up. And so there's no need to make it uh, make it separate because you know, people or kids are going to play with the toys they want to play with.
2: And but. we
1: should let them explore all different kinds of toys, all different kinds of materials. Yeah. Because you have no idea. And, and, and even if that kid grows up and they're cis and that kind of stuff, if you, if you have a little boy that wants to play with a baby doll, fucking let them like, you know, right. like, like yeah. encourage that affection and that, that emotional kindness. And, and if, if the girl grows up and she wants to fucking work on construction trucks and fucking let her work on construction trucks, like we should be empowering people to make the choices that they want to make. And so in such a small way as letting your kids play with whatever toys that they want to, obviously safely, but you know what I mean? Like not gendering the toys that they have access to allows for a fuller expansion of their brain and, and the options that they know are available to them. And if we're going to, I mean, less than 30 years ago. Actually, that's the wrong number. But, you know, I mean, there was a time in our existence as men and women where women couldn't fucking wear pants. (laughs) And, you know, and we were limited to dresses.
2: And pink was just for girls.
1: Well, pink actually was for boys. So pink was supposed, uh, uh, originally, I don't know when that switch happened, but pink was a sign of strength and um, bravery isn't that and something. so a uh, little boys were dressed in pink in their baby photos and blue was a sign of of softness and dainty what? and those kinds of things so, i seriously google it i'm not there wasn't
0: any color photos way back then fair
2: <laughs> so we have no
0: proof have no, no there is oh, proof geez. it's like your royal photos and things like that, like maybe some people. oil paintings some oil paintings of Something baby, like baby that. Paintings. well <laughs> yeah. I, I mean I really appreciate Megan um, and Julie you know you guys having this conversation with me and Megan being patient with me as your mom and your podcast host um, <laughs> 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 I'm just I, I think it's important and I have been wanting to just kind of talk about like on a very basic general level, so that when our listeners or you're caught you're in a situation, you you won't feel as um, ignorant to how best to honor the people around you and and honor the humanity. I think when you know we can we can do that for a host of reasons, it makes our world better. You know, so um, I, I really appreciate you guys uh, joining me and and filling in uh, for Emily. She's <laughs> off in uh, New York City, so I'm um, doing doing lots of things. But I really appreciate you guys stepping in and uh, helping us out and uh have a great rest of your trip. Um, visit Julie and Oregon. Give uh, give my Megan an extra couple hugs and kisses from your mom. For oh, me, I can do that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and uh, have a good Halloween. You know. Um. Yeah. I, I, you know. And I all of you listeners out there, have a good weekend. Uh, if you listen to this after Halloween, those those crazy um uh, movies will still be there. But I hope that you guys have a everybody has a wonderful week. And um, we will talk to you next time. Thanks. Bye. Bye. Bye.